All right, so if you could throw up the title of tonight's message. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> Lord of all or not Lord at all? There's only two options. Jesus is either going to be Lord of, of everything in your life or he's actually not Lord at all. Amen? So let's get into it. So we often expound on the facet of God or the side of God that is father, love in this, you know, loving sense, which is a side of God, and friend in a very sweet sense, all very true. But tonight we're going to talk on the facet of God that is master, that is Lord. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's not just Savior, but he's Lord and Savior. Amen. And you can get to a point where if someone would look at your life, they might see the Savior part. But, but if we look at your life, can we see that he's actually Lord, that he's actually Master? So <clears throat> you have to be all in for Christ. If it was a pool, you're jumping in the deep end. You got to be fully submerged. That is the life of a Christian, being fully submerged in the presence of God and the will of God for your life, not like baby steps and like a baby pool. You are going to be all in for Christ or you're not because when push comes to shove and pressure gets on, it will show if Jesus is Lord or not in your life. Amen. So I'm going to give you an example of when that happened for me. I was in... Senior? No, it was between junior and senior year of high school. And so, <clears throat> this is almost 10 years ago. And I was in, what was it, youth camp, got on fire for the Lord, got back to my house, was really growing in the things of God, was coming to youth group here. And I shared a little bit of this testimony, sun, not this past Sunday, but Sunday before that, if you were here for Building the Believer. Really good, 9 a.m., you should come. Yes. Super good. <laughs> And I shared a little bit of it there. If you were there and heard it, just hear it again. Amen. So I used to have asthma. And at that time in my life, not only was it just like one inhaler for like any sort of physical activity or anything like that, on top of that, at that point in time, the, um, I was prescribed even another one for like daily, just waking up, and, and they said it was seasonal, Whatever. So at this point in time in my life, I started learning about the healing power of God. And this is when it really became real to me. So I had heard it. I had been coming here. So I heard it from here, the word here. Um, I started reading my Bible. like I mean, every day I was in my word. And I started really looking at, okay, well, this woman was healed. Okay, well, this man was healed. This person was healed. And I was hearing testimonies and seeing people being healed. And faith started to build on the inside of me. And so <clears throat> one day, was it was the day. It was the day it all clicked. It was the day I really had revelation of what Christ did for me in healing. And so that day, I was in my room, and I remember I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. So I got up. And I threw it away. I threw, both, I threw the inhalers away. Because at, you know, 16, 17 years of age, 
you get to a point where you say either all of it is true or none of it is true. Either everything in the Bible is true or none of it is. And if Romans 10, and, 10 9, and 10 says, tells me that I'm, I'm saved, if I confess Jesus Lord and I know, okay, well, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, that means I'm saved, then that also means that Isaiah 53, Galatians 3, 13, 1 Peter 2, 24, which tells me that I'm healed, that also has to be true. Because either all of this is true. If there's one fallacy, it's all fake. If there's one thing wrong, it's all wrong. It has to be all true or none of it is true. And I got to a point in my life at 16 or 17 years of age that I said, if I die, and that might sound extreme, but when doctors say, no, you need this to breathe, whatever, blah, 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 all this stuff, you get to a point in your, in your walk with Christ, no matter what age you are, old, young, middle, you get to a point where Jesus has to become Lord over every part of your life. You have to get to a point where you say Jesus is everything or he's nothing to me. He can only be one or the other, hot or cold. That's it. And so I got to a point and I truly on the inside of me, I said, if I die standing on the word of God, if, I, if it doesn't work, if it's not true and it doesn't work for me and I die, then what was the point anyway? Why live my life? Why, what is the point of everything? Because your purpose really here is connected to Christ. And, I, and it, not that I was suicidal. I was never suicidal or anything like that. I got to a point where I said, if he's not real, what's the point of living here? Yeah. And I got to a point where I said, if it's not true for, if it's true for someone else and not true for me, then it's not absolute truth. And if it's not absolute truth, then it's, what's the point? Who am I serving? Who am I serving if it's for one person and not another person? So I got to a point in my walk that I said, Jesus is Lord of my whole life. Either it works or it doesn't. So I'm going to stand out in faith. I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to say, well, either I'm all in or I'm all out. Yeah. You have to be all in or all out. You have to be fully submerged. Amen. And so I said, either all of it works or none of it works. And I'm willing to bet my life on it. I'm willing to put my life on it today. And so I threw them away. And I actually expected my mom to like have a bunch of resistance. I was ready. I walked to her room to go tell her because I was still, you know, in her, I was 16, 17 years. So I was like, all right, I should probably tell her. So I walked, <laughs> probably tell her I threw all the inhalers away. So I went over there to go, you know, I was ready. I prepared myself. Oh, I hit the mic, sorry. I prepared myself. I was like, all right, I had the word. I was like, okay, if she says no, I'm be like, all right, respect your parents. But if they go against the word of God, you know, so I was, I had my scriptures ready to defend the gospel. So I came over there and I'm, I was like, so I threw away my inhalers and she was like, okay. And I was like, wow, that was actually a lot easier than I thought. The reason I say that is because um, I got on fire b before the rest of my family did. At the time, um, <laughs> my mom's actually looking in the window. <laughs> Hello, we were just talking about you <laughs> to call her out. Yeah. So um, I was the first really to get on fire for the Lord. Is that true? That I was the first really to get on fire for the Lord in our home. And so there were a lot of things that um, we learned and grew in. Anyway, amen. So <laughs> I was really expecting her to, to push, but I got a good mom. Amen. And she was like, all right. And I was like, well, all right then. And so I threw it away. And then um, it really came down to it because it's technically, you know, I threw it away in like the little trash can that's in your room. But then when it really came down to it is when you take that and go throw that in the main trash once that gets full. So, you know, I was in there for a couple days, you know, but, but then once it was time to actually throw it away into the dumpster, then it really, you know, push came to shove, you know what I'm saying? 
So then I was like, all right, um, I said it. I got to stand on it now, you know. And so I'm here to tell you today that I'm 100% completely healed. I've never had an asthma attack. I haven't. I wasn't gasping. I mean, when I tell you I run nothing. Back in the day, can you, can you testify that back in the day, I couldn't eat even in elementary school. I couldn't, they wouldn't let me play on the playground at certain times because they're like, oh, you know, asthma or whatever, she'll start wheezing. No, no. I got to a point where I said, nah, nah, not anymore. Amen. If Christ took it, I'm here. I'm taking everything he did for me. I'm going to receive. I'm not leaving anything on the table. I'm not leaving anything he did for me on the table. I'm taking it all. And so I, you have to get to that point where you say, I am going to walk in everything he gave me. I'm not going to let what he did be in vain. I'm not going to let everything that he died to give me be in vain. Amen. And so I'm going to walk in it. And so you have to be fully in or fully out. If you're not fully sold out, you'll sell out promise you that. If you are not sold out already, you will sell out when it, when it comes down to it. Amen. And so when the wind blows, when the stuff hits the fan, right? Is your house going to stand? Ooh, that rhymes. Is your house going to stand? Are you actually built on the rock? The Bible says that the wind and the waves Come to both houses, yes. the one built on the rock and the one built on the sand. Yes. Regardless, winds and waves are going to try and come. Right. Yep. But is your house going to stand or is it going to crumble? All of that depends on if you're built on the rock, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God. Amen. And so you're either going to be fully sold out or you're going to sell out when push comes to shove. What are your priorities? What are your priorities? I'll tell you this. I'll give you an example. I'm not trying to t uh, step on any specific toes because I don't have anyone specific in mind. I'm, I'm just giving you an example. If you don't come to church, if you don't, you know, enter into the things of God, if you don't come and worship because your kid has a soccer game, yeah. then when a real problem arises, what do you think you're going to be? If you can't even come because your in-laws are in town and you got to be, and then the next week it's because you had to go to the beach and then the next week is because you need to go to Disney and then the next week it's because, oh, and then you haven't been here. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to put put something real in front of your eyes. I'm trying to show you that if that keeps you out of church, if that keeps you away from assembling with the saints, if that keeps you away from coming and getting in the presence of God and, and being in the will of God for your life, then when something real comes, when something actually, you know, something actually that did come once, I don't want to get banned from YouTube. You know what happened, the, you know, because <laughs> YouTube will take us back down, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> COVID-19. So if, they, if that many people let, you know, if, if you're going to stay home from a soccer game, I guarantee you the next thing they make up and try to get everyone to get out of church and try to keep you from the things of God, then you won't be here. If a soccer game keeps you away, then I'm telling you right now, when the end times come, why do you think the Bible said, it says in the word of God, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. And it says, even so more as you see the day approaching. That's what it says. Even, even more as you see the day approaching. So if you know that that time is coming, you should be a church even more. That's what it's saying. And so if, you know, if the soccer game is going to keep you out. I'm not being legalistic. To, uh, listen, <laughs> when you love something, when you, I mean, talk, think about your spouse, right? Think about or your first lover, even if you're not someone, you, if you have been before, you had a crush, whatever it is. Nothing could keep you from going and spending time with them. Right. Nothing. You would cancel on other stuff to go spend time with them. Yeah. 
When you're in love with Christ, come on. Nothing can keep you out of the house of God. Right. Nothing can keep you from worshiping God. Nothing can, I mean, what does Pastor Dale say when he was working uh, other jobs before he became a pastor? And they were like, quit singing. And they actually fired him because he was singing and worshiping God. I mean, you can't, you can't be kept from, from your love, your first love, your true love. Amen. You're going to be all in or you're going to be all out. Amen. So he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. We're not meant to live our life and then Jesus on the side. That we were created to walk hand in hand with the Lord. In the Garden of Eden, I mean, that's the, the Garden of Eden is an, is an example for us of how it is to be. That's the picture, you know, before the fall of how we are to walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. He wasn't a side issue. He is your whole life. Amen. And so if, you know, if that doesn't sound appealing to you, it's because you don't know him. To know him is to love him. And to really know him is to read his word and to spend time with him. Yes. Amen. 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 <laughs> so Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Oh, yeah. You can pop that up there. Thank you, Tracy. Every decision you make, when someone's Lord of your life, then you consult them in every decision you make. Yeah. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm sure a lot of y'all have heard this. It might be in your bio on Instagram. It might, you might have a tattoo of it. It's one of those scriptures, right? Let's keep going. <laughs> in all your ways, <laughs> acknowledge him. <laughs> because they started laughing. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Next, uh, or yeah, I said five through six. All right. <laughs> so in everything, have him in the forefront of your mind. Acknowledging is something that's an intentional thing. Yeah. You have to be intentional about acknowledging. Like acknowledging someone when they walk into a room. Like there's a king that walks in. All the people you know, and if you've seen it in movies and stuff, you probably haven't seen it in real life unless you've been, you know, somewhere where they have kings. But, you know, people stop what they're doing. They bow. They greet you. What do you need? When a king walks in the room, you make sure you acknowledge him. I know somebody who was actually saying that uh, they went to visit family. And when they went to visit that family... When they came back, they told me, they were like, man, it was, it was like they, they weren't very um, hospitable. When you walked in, they wouldn't even like, acknowledge that you came in. And they were talking about how that kind of made an impression on them. And so it's, very, it's not honoring when you don't acknowledge when someone walks in a room. And it says in all your ways, acknowledge him. As an, it's an intentional thing. When the king walks in a room, when the king walks in the room, you are to acknowledge that the king of kings just came in. In the Bible, whenever it says that uh, he came in on the donkey and they all were laying down palm tree leaves, singing Hosanna, Hosanna um, in the highest, that was, they were making a way, they were actually ushering in the king. When you're in worship and you're praising God, you are ushering in the presence of the king. What you are doing spiritually is laying down those palm leaves, making a way, saying, Hosanna, make way for the king. When you're worshiping, you're, you're ushering in the presence of the king. Yeah. Amen. And so to stop and acknowledge the presence of the Lord is here. The spirit of the Lord, he's in me. To acknowledge the Holy Ghost throughout your day, it's an intentional thing. But also I'll tell you this, it's, an, it's intentional, but the more you do it, as you acknowledge the Lord, you'll start to pick up on what the Holy Ghost is doing. Yeah. I'll give you an example 
when you're looking for that car, that car that you drive or, or a, you know, yeah, we'll say car. If you've been looking at a car, and let's say you, you never, you didn't see anyone on the road driving that car. But all of a sudden, now that you've been looking at this car online, you see everybody driving that car. Now when you're driving, you're like, oh, there's another one. And you're driving, oh, that looks nice. That's another. And now you've seen seven in one day. And before that, you never seen that car on the road. You never acknowledged it. Was it always, was it there? They were there. They were very much there. But you didn't acknowledge that it was there. Now, what is your gaze? What are you focusing on? What are you looking at? Now that you've been acknowledging the king and you start to notice where, what the Holy Ghost is doing, and it becomes natural that you start to flow. You'll start to see, oh, he's doing this over here. He's doing this right now. Can you tell where he's moving right now? Can you tell? He's telling me where to go. He's telling me what to say. But when you, it's not until, can you pop that back up on the screen, until you start acknowledging the king, and then he'll direct your paths. Amen. That is good, amen. <laughs> and so you'll start to flow with the Lord. It'll become natural. So the word Lord here is when you look in the Old Testament and it's all capital, L-O-R-D, that's Yehovah. So, or Jehovah, you know, and that's Hebrew. And it means it's the proper name for the one true God. That's what it is in the Old Testament when you see that word Lord there. Can you pop the first graphic on the screen for me, please? <clears throat> so here's the scriptures we... Uh, we just read, well, the first five and six. So if we continue, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Can you go to the second graphic for me? So as I was reading this, I noticed something. I noticed kind of a grouping of those two scriptures, those two scriptures, those two scriptures. And if you look, there's kind of a theme and these scriptures. So the first two, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. That is on direction. Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, depart from evil, health to your flesh, strength to your bones, health. And then honor the Lord with your possessions, first fruits increase, barns will be filled to plenty, vats will overflow, that's prosperity. You know, it's very interesting that these are the three subjects that it put in there. It's very interesting that there's an action for each of these out desired outcomes. And all of them are not something you do with your mouth, but they're actually actions. They're something that you have to do. Can you go to the, th the next slide for me? The first one, trust in the Lord. There's a verb in each of these. Trust in the Lord. That has to do with your direction. Fear the Lord. That actually has to do with your health. Honor the Lord. That has to do with you prospering, fi even financially. There are verbs. There are actions that you have to take to gain the desired outcome. When you make Jesus Lord, isn't it interesting that these three subjects are the subjects that get attacked? Yeah. That prosperity message. Right. Oh, healing? Oh, that's not for today. That died with the apostles. You know, <laughs> who? I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> and then direction, trusting in the Lord. Okay, let me tell you this. It says lean not on your own understanding. You here tell me something that we do as born-again believers... What's something we do, or more specifically comes out of our mouth, that we don't have a natural understanding of? Oh, oh good job. <laughs> so praying in tongues gives you direction. 1 Corinthians 15, 14. Can you pop that? And then we're going to go back to this um, graphic after that. But 15, 14, thank you. I really got you working up there, Tracy. <clears throat> oh, that's not right. Well, that's not what I meant. Maybe it was second. Let's try 2 Corinthians 15, 14. It's probably that. No. 
Okay, Paul said, I'll just tell you off the dome. (laughs) Paul said, I'll pray with my understanding, and I'll pray without the understanding. I'll sing with my understanding, and I'll sing without the understanding. What is it? 1 Corinthians, oh, 14. (laughs) Maybe it's 14, 15. Anyway, I told you what it is. Paul said, (laughs) I'll pray with the understanding, and I'll pray without the understanding. He's talking about speaking in tongues. You can read that whole chapter. Read the whole book. Okay, it's really good, but obviously it's the word. But he said that he's going to pray even without his understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're not leaning on your own natural understanding. You know that when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, even in your flesh and your mind, you might be like, what am I saying? But you're actually leaning. You're acknowledging the Lord, and he's directing your paths as you're praying in the Holy Ghost. That is something that is so um, attacked by these religious folks who have no direction in their life. You know, who attacks health? Who attacks healing? Who attacks you having money and feeding your children and living a good life? Who attacks that? That is the devil. That's the devil. These (laughs) These three subjects have a lot to do with him being Lord of your life. That second one, fear, can you, uh, oh, you do have it, thank you. Fear the Lord. This is a reverential fear. This is you obeying his word. It says depart from evil. That's flee from sin. That's what he's saying there. Flee flee from sin. This word um, fear, it's really a respect toward God. Fear has a lot of, you know, the word fear has these thoughts behind it, but it's not the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear brings torment. But when he says fear the Lord here, it's like, you know, uh, you've seen a kid in a grocery store that did not fear their parents. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. When you see a kid, you know they don't, you know, one, two, and that kid's tearing it up. Listen, (laughs) they don't fear their parents. There's not a reverential fear. Do you look at that and go, yay? Does that make you feel good when you see that? Are you like, oh, great job? No, every person's like, if I, was, you know, if I could just take them over there, I'll do it myself, right? <laughs> because there's this honor that you know. There's this respect that you know on the inside. There needs to be an honoring for these parents. There needs to be respect if it's going to be well with you. Because, listen, this isn't, I'm looking at my time, but, you know, if you don't correct your kids, life is going to correct them. It's going to be a lot harder. Tanya's going to do it. Tanya's going to do it. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, yeah, she's... A cop. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you don't, life will. And if you don't spank them, someone's going to deck them in the face. I'm telling you, it's going to be worse than if you would have a little pow-pow on their butt, okay? Amen. All right, somebody's going to do it. They're going to get humbled real quick, so you ought to do it. Amen. Third, honor. Honor the Lord. This is a verb. Y'all know a verb. I'm going to take you to school. It's an action. It's you doing something, right? All right, so honoring the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit. What's the first fruits of your increase? That's your tithe. Okay, but it's not just your tithe. This says with your possessions, all your possessions, everything that you have, honor the Lord. Amen. And so barns, I know we don't really use, we don't really use, you know, barns and vats. Vats is where they would um, have wine, make wine. So barns really could be like your bank account so that your bank account is filled with plenty. Amen. Amen. And that your um, savings account will overflow with new wine, right? The only people in here that might relate with the barns might be um, Pastor Justin, Poppy, um, some of y'all farmers in here. <laughs> but uh, when you honor him with your possessions and with your, the first fruits of your increase, 
your bank account's going to be overflowing. You say, really, savings account, actually, if you look at the word storehouses, that's more so closely related to savings account. But I'm just going to give you a picture here. Um, if you look at the big, uh, Matthew, the first couple chapters where he's talking about, um, you know, the flowers, they don't toil, but your heavenly father cover, uh, covers them. And your, the birds, they don't store up in storehouses, but he feeds them. That word there is like your savings account. So just a little, that's for free. Y'all can just have that one for free. Amen. So isn't it interesting that these three things get attacked, right? These main, I mean, these very important topics in your life. And the thing is, what is prosperity? What is having money? What is being wealthy if, you're, if your health is... And what is, what is having money and having health if you have no direction, no purpose? You know how many, you know, celebrities that had a bunch of money, healthy, that are like, you know, committing suicide on drugs, all kinds of stuff, because they don't feel that they have a purpose. They don't feel that they have direction. These three things are really important. And as you serve the Lord, you see the action that you do. If you trust him, you lean on him, your paths will be directed. If you fear him, if you turn from sin, then you're going to be healthy. If you honor the Lord with your first words, if you're a giver, your bank account will be plenty. Amen. 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 So, amen. Make sure you're doing those three verbs right there. Oh, man, I'm like, am I going to have to do a part two? I want to run through all this. It's so good. All right. Psalm 127.1. You know, men can make plans, and, and they can be thoroughly scriptural, too, but it might not be God's plan for you. Being a businessman is not sin. Being a businessman is very great if you're called to be a businessman. If Pastor Darrell was out doing construction right now, he wouldn't be in the will of God. He wouldn't be blessed. He wouldn't be where he's at in, in his walk with the Lord because he wouldn't have listened to him. But someone else who the Lord said, be a construction worker, be the best construction worker you can be, own the business, make a lot of money and pour it into the kingdom for this end time harvest, then they would be walking in the plan of God for their life as well. But what is the Lord saying to you? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. They labor in vain who build it. Unless it's the Lord's doing, is there something that you're building right now that the Lord never told you to build? Is there something that, you, I mean, you're striving, you're trying to make it work. You're trying, and you're going back over, and you're going back over the blueprint, and you got people around you you're talking to, and you're just really trying to make this thing work. And those things might be good, and they might be godly, but does, it, does that mean that's God's personal will he has for you? Is that what the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is telling you to do? Is there something you're striving, and you're trying to build, and it's just not working? Unless the Lord builds a house, you're laboring in vain. You're doing it for no reason. You're toiling. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your energy on the wrong thing. You're focused on the wrong thing. When God has something so great for you that he wants to bless you in, that he wants to take you to the top, that he wants you to be walking and, and, and joyous and fruitful. Amen. Amen. But God cannot put approval on man's plans when they're not his plans. There's people who feel, let me, let me uh, you know, take responsibility, make a plan. That is good. You should have a vision. But is it what God has given you? Is it what God has shown you? The, God, the Holy Ghost, will show you. It says he'll show you things to come. That's what the Bible says. You can stand on the word and say, God, you said right here, you said that you'll show me things to come. So if you're looking for direction and if you're trying to get what the Lord has for you, stand on the word of God. Remind him of his word. You said you, said you'd tell me. Yep. Yeah. Amen. And pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
It always goes back to and pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, all of our messages, I could end in all the messages with and pray in the Holy Ghost. And it would be, it would suffice. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I told you that word Lord in the Old Testament is Jehovah or Jehovah. But I actually want to look at this word Lord in the Greek. And this is the word in Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This Lord right there is Greek is Korias. K-Y-R-I-O-S. Korias. And uh, this word here means he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding. This is from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Master or Lord, the possessor and disposer of a thing. The owner, the one who has control of the person, the master. In the state, it means sovereign prince, chief, or Roman emperor. It is the title of honor expressive of respect and reverence with which servants greet their master. This title is given to God the Messiah. So you see in Romans 10, 9, this is a scripture you can stand on that, you know, you get born again with. So you see this word here is korias, that when you get saved, you're not saying Jesus is Lord, meaning the one true God, like it said in in, uh, the Old Testament, Jehovah. What you're saying here is you're confessing Jesus is my master and he's the ruler of my life. That's the word Lord here. So when you confessed him as your Lord, when you got saved, you said right then and there, I'm signing my name on the dotted line. I am entering now into the army of the Lord. Whatever you say goes, sir. Whatever you say I will do. Wherever you say go, I will go. My life is no longer my own. You are Lord. You are master. You have the power to decide anything in my life. Amen. Amen. That's truly what saying Jesus is Lord means. Nothing less than that. Now, there is a facet of us being co-laborers with God in the work of the Lord. And he actually does want our input. Look at how he talked to Abraham. Read in the Old Testament how him and Abraham would have conversations back and forth. Even Abraham even said something and made the Lord decide something that he wasn't going to decide before Abraham said that. It's, it's a co-laboring with God in this life. Now, that's for another sermon. That's really good, too. <laughs> But today we're talking about the facet of God where he's master and he's Lord. And just like a good husband, you know, listens to the input of his wife and doesn't trample, he knows she's an asset. He knows she's a helpmate. And so, you know, but ultimately it's always going to, at the end of the day, it's going to be husband's call. If it's biblical and if it's right. At the end of the day, he has the final word on it. He has the official word on it. If you want your marriage to run smoothly. And we as the bride of Christ, we are to get the final word from the Lord. He has, you can have, you can say, Lord, you know, this is what I like, or this is what I'd like to do. But ultimately, he has final say. Ultimately, whatever you say, that's the end of it. You don't agree with me, or what, I I mean, I don't agree with you, or whatever, doesn't matter. You have the final say. I will side with whatever you're saying. And the good thing is, the reason, the reason why, especially women can, without proper teaching in the word, feel toward the word submissive, ooh, ooh, ah, gross, don't like that, is because of the conditioning and the thinking that the man or the person they're submitting to or the boss or whatever it is, we'll say man that they're submitting to, is, um, doesn't have their best interests in mind. This is someone who has their own interests in mind. This is someone who's going to, you know, trample on you and, and whatever. And this is what causes women to cringe and to, mm, I don't want that because I don't want to be a doormat. Yeah. And this is not 
The biblical way that marriage works is not the biblical way that uh, how you are with the Lord even. This isn't actual biblical submission. That is rooted in fear. And I'll tell you right now, if you deal with that, that is rooted in fear. But if you would get a word of the Lord on what the actual blessing that submission to authority is, then you'll actually be able to walk in everything God has for you. I'll give you another example there. But we are the bride of Christ. He has the final word. An example there of really good submission to authority was actually the other day. I was just telling Pastor Teresa that um, when we did Wednesday night last week, so one week from today before, um, she was preaching. Nikki was leading worship. I was in the drum cage. And when we got off, I went over to her, and it ran really smoothly, and we were really flowing with the Holy Ghost. Amen. That was powerful. That was a powerful night. I got out, and I told, oh, there you are. <laughs> I was looking for you to say, um, <laughs> I told uh, Pastor Teresa, I was like, you know what? You know that flowed so well? I said, I'm in the drum cage, and I'm staring down Nikki. And anytime she tells me something with her hands to build or to get you know, lesser or to kind of flow in this way or in that way, I'm, immediate, I'm watching her the whole time I'm playing. You can see me staring down Nicole to know where she wants me to go. And Nicole is staring down to Pastor Teresa, seeing where Pastor Teresa is wanting to go. And this flow of submission to authority allowed the flow of the Holy Ghost to be beautiful. It allowed the service to run smoothly. It allowed the Lord to actually do what he wants to do in the service. But if I decided, no, it's soft. she wants me to play soft right now, I'm going to go in, multiple fills, blah, 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 and just disrupt the service. And now Pastor Teresa's looking at, looking at us, and Nikki's looking at, what are you doing? And now someone's getting out, they're thinking in the presence of the Lord, now they're focusing on you instead of the Lord. And now the Lord can't flow in, in that person, and you're disrupting the Lord from ministering to that person, all because you didn't submit. Submission to authority. It's a blessing. Submission to authority is beautiful. If it's done godly, biblically, it, it creates a smooth flow, not just in services, but in your home. If the children submit to the authority of the parents, if the wife submits to the authority of the, of the, of the husband, there will be a flow in your uh, family. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the opposite. You've seen where it's not like that. You've seen where the, oh, man, the time, man, the time. I want to get into it. We've all seen, <laughs> we've all seen where there's been a lack of that flow and that peace and that beautiful presence in the home. And I'm sure you've walked in a home where you go, oh, man, it's so peaceful here. And there's usually... A biblical, biblical submission to authority there in that home. Amen. Amen. There's a flow when you actually, there's a, there's, there's a beauty to submitting to authority. So I was actually just telling Pastor Teresa about that the other day. Like, that's, that's good. So <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen in the word where uh, it says bondservant. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've seen this word before. Bondservant was a slave by choice. And often they loved their master and they served him. This is different from a slave. A bondservant is a slave by choice. Oftentimes they loved their master that they served. If you look at James chapter 1, verse 1, it says, James, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, and it goes on and on. A bondservant of God, Romans 1.1. 1, 1. I didn't give you these because I'm just like briefly going over them, but Romans 1.1, 1, 1, it says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. They say it outright in front. 
in their greetings, when they're saying who they are, they tie it to their name. They're tying their identity that they're a bondservant of Christ. When you tell someone your name and you, oh, who are you? Oftentimes people will say what they do. Pastor Justin touched on this on Sunday. Often say what they do for their job or, you know, what they've made or whatever. But that's not your identity. But you see Paul and you see James, you see that they tie, I'm a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I willingly am a servant of the Lord. And they tie it to who they are. When you tell people who you, know, who you are, you need to be wrapped up in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. It's not, it's not all about me anymore. It's not all about what I want to do. And trust me, I'm, I'm sure a lot of y'all in here can say, I know what it was like when I ran my own life. I know what it was like when, I did, when, it, was all, when it was all about me. My way, yeah. And how, how, how well did that work out for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're here now, yeah. <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> it ended you up right here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so... Your life is hidden in Christ. Your identity is, I mean, you and Jesus, you're one and the same. It actually doesn't even say, you know, in the word that there's God and then at the right hand of God is Jesus and then at the right hand of Jesus is you and there's like two other chairs. You're in the same chair. You're in the same seat with Christ because you're hidden in Christ. It's not even like, you're like half, you know, you know, you share a chair with someone, one cheek on the chair and someone else's cheek on the chair. That's not even how you are with Jesus. Like, you're actually one in, one in the same. You are hidden in Christ. You are one. The life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God. The life you now live is wrapped up in your faith in the Son of God. Amen? And so, with that being said, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Oh, yeah, I can just look up at the screen. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. So, <clears throat> this is about correction. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I love y'all. <laughs> Amen. That should be your attitude on it. Amen. I love that. He said in Proverbs 3.11, the Lord said, my son, do not despise the chastening or the chastening. All right, Jocelyn. I was preaching in the youth one time, and she was like, I think it's chastening. <laughs> chastening of the Lord. <laughs> nor detest his correction. Next verse. For whom the Lord, what? The one he loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Not only it says, just like a father does the son, the one that he actually likes. Y'all remember Jesse? Like, actually in the Old Testament. Not Jesse Duplantis, not, I don't know. Jesse in the Old Testament. Uh, David's dad. And he was like, here's all my sons. And then, you know, he's like, oh, wait, actually, there's my son in the field, you know, who, over there, you know. God is actually saying the one that he actually likes. So it would have been like Jesse's first choice son, right? A son in whom he actually delights, that's the one he corrects. That's the one that he actually loves, is the one that he corrects. And so the correction of the Lord, you see, we've been talking about the facet of God that's master and that's Lord. But you see here when he's talking about correction, he says son. You see the facet of him being a father. 
And so you see how, you know what, I have a good example actually. I'm going to use Pastor Justin as an example. I'm sure you've been used as an example many times as your father is the pastor. So it's actually a really good example. I've seen Pastor Justin switch from like, this is my father, this is my dad, to this is my pastor, this is my boss. Yeah. Nikki, you can testify. Pastor Jeannie, you can testify. Anyone? Pastor Teresa, you can testify that there's a switch, you know, yes, sir, yes, pastor. And it's a really good example of that. That's a really good example. And I've seen Pastor Lisa be wifely and, you know, you know how you are with, with your husband. But then I've also seen her in a meeting where he says something and she fully and quickly submits to exactly what he just said in the meeting. Am I right? It's a beautiful example that I've had the privilege to be able to witness. And it's seeing a different facet, but it's the same person. And you have to be able to switch. You know, God, he said, he loves he loves us. He loves me. Yes. Amen. He's my father. He's also your Lord and your master. And you've got to be able to make the switch and say, sir, yes, sir. What you're saying to me, I'm doing it right now, right away. No lip. You wouldn't give your sergeant, you know, you wouldn't give whoever's over you in the military. <laughs> you wouldn't give him lip when he tells you something. Right? Your relationship with that person is one of, you have no opinion. <laughs> right? You have to, but as a bond servant, you're willingly saying, all right, who cares about my opinion on this matter? If the Lord of the universe is telling me to do something, I'm just going to do it. Amen. But the great thing about it is he has your best interest in mind. Amen. The great thing about it is he's telling you to do it from a loving heart, and he's getting you to a place and getting you, leveling you up. He's bringing you to the place that he has for you. Garden of Eden type living is what he wants you to live in. Amen. That's how he wants you to walk. He wants to walk with you like that. He wants to talk with you like that. But there, like I said about with the band, there has to be a flow of that submission to authority or you won't walk in that Garden of Eden type of life with the Lord. You have to see all those facets of God. This isn't a facet meaning side of God. It's kind of like a diamond. If you've seen it like turn in the light and each time you turn it, there's a new side that flashes with this beauty and it's another side, but it's the same diamond. It's kind of like that. There's these facets of God. And, and it actually, somebody said that they believe that when the angels around the throne sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, that each time they go around, they see a new side of God they've never seen before. And it creates more worship. Somebody, somebody said that. I have an opinion that, uh, this is, now this isn't about, this is my opinion. I think that how the Lord created relationships here on the earth are really just, I feel, I feel like he wanted to represent the sides that we are with him. And so he created mothers and daughters and sons and he created marriage. I mean, even in, um, even in the word, when it talks about submitting to the, hus- uh, to the husband and the wife and the husband loving the wife like Christ loves the church in Ephesians, when it's talking about that, it even says at the end, this is a mystery, but this is actually explaining Jesus and the bride of Christ. I feel, I think, that these relationships, all these different friendships, and then you have, you know, parents, and then you have husband and wife, these different types of relationships are really just explaining the facets and the sides of God that he wanted to have with you. Amen. That's, that's an opinion, but I, that's, I think it's a good one, though. I think it's a good opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been able to see this really flow, this submission to authority really flow in 
someone just being able to switch from you're my pastor, you're my, or you're my dad, to you're my boss, or you're my pastor. And being able to do that, I'm sure, has blessed you know, Pastor Justin to be able to do that, and, and Pastor Lisa having, this is my husband, but he's my pastor, you know, and allowing him to actually pastor her, allow, him allowing him to actually pastor him, that the Spirit of the Lord, I'm going to actually stop, and I'm going to listen right now, what is the Spirit of the Lord saying to me through this person? Yeah. Amen? Amen? And that's why, sermon for another day, but that's why also you have to not cross that boundary of getting too friendly and too familiar. Yeah, or you'll lose it if you get too familiar with someone, but that's a message for another day. Amen? So, pruning, back to correction. Hebrews 12, 11. Yay. Hebrews 12, 11. <laughs> Amen. You should say yay. You know, the Bible also says in Proverbs, it's, you know, that, <clears throat> that you are to love rebuke, it actually says in Proverbs. Only a fool doesn't love rebuke. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't no fool. Say, mama ain't raised no fool. That's what you should say. Okay, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. It's a training. It's a boot camp. The Lord is training you for something greater. The Lord is training you, and he's trying to prepare you to the level he's trying to take you to. Amen? And if you do not submit to that and don't allow him to prune you, then you will stay at the same level you are at right now for years to come. And I'm sure you don't want that. You know what? Who here knows the vision of our church? Who can quote the vision of our church? It's in the VA every day. Thank you. <laughs> you get, you know, in youth we give candy. Somebody get Tracy some candy. She, had, she, was the first <laughs> she, she was the first one to get it. We grow Christians. And we do this by loving God, loving people, and loving... Amen. I don't know if our... I wonder if our pastors are going to watch us if they are. Look at that. The congregation knew it. Good job, everybody. So we grow Christians. That is the vision of this church. If you're here and you're not wanting to grow, you're at the wrong church, let me tell you. We don't want people sitting here and being the same right now in two more years that you're in the same way that you are right now. Amen? And what's the point in that? Okay, so it says pruning or chastening here um, is not joyful in the moment that it's happening. You know, a plant, you know what pruning is? It's taking those dead, those plants, or those uh, fruit that are off, bad, um, decayed off, so that the plant can then yield more fruit. Pruning must occur for more fruit to abound. Amen. You have to have pruning for more fruit to abound. Do you want more fruit? Yes. Amen. I like that response. I thought I was going to have to be like, do, I said, do you want? But like everyone said it, so good job, everybody. So <laughs> when you think... <laughs> When you think eternally minded, then you begin to yield to the pruning. Amen. Because it says here, it's not joyful in the present. You know what the flesh thinks about? Temporary things. Yeah. Only temporary things. Yeah. The flesh only thinks right here, right now, in this moment. Yeah. They don't think, it doesn't think consequences. Right. It doesn't think, oh, the end of sin thereof is death. Right. It thinks, what well, feels good right now? What, what, do I, what makes me comfortable right now? But once you have, you know, to be spiritually minded is to look with the eyes of eternity. And the eyes, those who look with the eyes of eternity, those who are actually spiritual, those who are spiritual people here, if you're spiritual here, then you'll go, ooh, yay, yes, I love chastening. I love correction. I like being made better. You know, there's actually cultures in other parts of the world, you know, Asian areas of the world, <laughs> that... 
there actually is a sense of, you know, if you hate your son or daughter, you won't correct them. And that's why they're so hard on them. But people have been trained over there to actually enjoy and like the correction. Like if you don't correct them, they feel like you're not helping them to be better. And so obviously Western, not so much. But I think that in the church, I think that we can, by the renewing of our mind, we can be transformed by the word of God that we can think the way the Bible says we are to think. And the Bible says that um, you are to, in Proverbs, that you're to love rebuke. You're actually to like it because it says it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Amen? It causes growth to the body. Amen? The body of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.21. 2 Timothy 2.21. I'm actually going to go to it in my Bible. 2 Timothy 2.21. So, let me look at the time. Yeah, I'm actually going to go to 14 and then go all the way down to 21. We're going to start with 14, though. So this is Paul. And Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and so he's helping him and training him up, um, becoming an upcoming pastor, and he's young. And so Paul is saying to Timothy about the people, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hemenius and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed according to the truth, or concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they uh, they overthrow the faith of some. So he's going into, like, this person and this person. He's getting into specifics for their church. But then he goes, okay, well, never mind, in verse 19. He goes, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows who submitted to him and who has made him actual Lord and master. He knows those who are his and that everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. A lot of people liken this to those people who have like the china in the cabinet. And, you know, they don't really use it. They wait until a nice guest comes. But even when nice guests come, they still don't use it. I don't know. Those things just be dusty. I don't really know. It's a knick-knack thing. It's, it's no previous generation kind of thing. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> but there are some, it says, <laughs> vessels of gold and silver. But then there's also some of wooden clay. There's the utensils and the bowls and stuff you bring out. You know, here, kids, you know, I would really liken this to, in your cabinet, you probably have plastic ones and little Goofy and Mickey Mouse, whatever, plates and stuff. But when Dr. Mary Fran comes to your house, you don't give her the Goofy. When Pastor Daryl, Pastor Lisa comes to your house, you don't give them the, the, the Minnie Mouse cup, right? You bring out the good stuff. You bring out the nice stuff. You want to honor them. So there's two kinds of vessels. You're going to have the ones for honor and the ones for dishonor. In verse 21, it says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, which means the dishonor, He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, which means set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So there are those that are actually useful to the master, and there are those that are not so useful to the master. And so you make Jesus Lord of your life, master of your life, but now you say, am I I honorable 
Would the Lord actually use me? Or would he go, mm, let me use this one. <laughs> when someone comes over, I'm going to give a word. I want them to give a word to someone, but let me not use that one. They've been gossiping. They've been other stuff been coming out of their mouth. Let me not, mm, let me not use that one. Let me use this one. They've been worshiping. They've been reading their word. They can hear from me. They're clean because they have a repentant heart. They have a heart that's humble. They say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. It doesn't mean they're perfect. They don't make mistakes. It means that when they do, they repent and they get right with the Lord immediately. And that's all the Lord is looking for. He's searching the whole earth. He's searching. He's looking for those who are faithful to him. He's looking to those that he can bust out of the cabinet if someone of importance come and use them. Are you honorable or are you dishonorable? Are you fit for the master's use? That all depends on you. That has to do with your decisions, your choices, and your actions. Amen? The three verbs are said in Proverbs, trust in the Lord, fear the Lord, honor the Lord. It's a very good blueprint right there in Proverbs chapter 3. Amen? And so is Jesus really your master? Has he become a side issue to you? Have you gotten lax? The good thing about First John 1 John 1.9, you don't have to pop it up, I'm just going to say it. But the, first thing, uh, the good thing about First John 1 John 1.9 is that it was written to Christians. That if you mess up, he'll forgive you. Amen. That's written to Christians. And so you can turn it around right at this moment, and he will not hang it over your head. Amen. That's so good about our Lord. Ain't that so good about him? Amen. By his love, I mean, he won't hang it over your head. He won't remind you of it. The next time you're like, Lord, you know, he goes, well, <laughs> remember what you did last time. He actually can't remember it because he says he forgets it. And when he forgets, he forgets. He's so faithful. If we would do this for other people, if we would forgive and forget, if we would, that would actually allow them to grow. That would allow them to become the person that you actually want them to be. If you'd not hang it over their head and let them grow, let them get better. Amen. But if you, I mean, oftentimes it comes from people having hurt, that they'll hold it against someone because they feel like it makes them feel better. But all you're doing is keeping them in that place that you say you don't like them to be in. And so if you actually forgive and forget, you're allowing them to be the person God is calling them to be in your life. Amen. So first of all, one night, I mean, God, he'll just forgive you and turn it right around. So tonight, if that has happen if you've become lax if he's become a side issue something you rarely think you know you think about at the end of the day after all the day's over and you're going to lay down and you go now I lay me down to sleep if that's your prayer at the end of the night you know come to a church by prayer we have it once a month you'll learn to pray amen and and so in a moment you can turn it around today and be fit for the master's use you know as a pastor, there is rebuking and there's, there's, there's fixing, but there's encouraging and there's uplifting. Yeah. And a message should always end with hope. It should always end with something that makes you feel that you can do better, that you can be better, and that you can do everything God called you to do. I'm telling you right now that if that has been you, today can be the last day that was you. Today is a new day. Well, it's tonight time, but tonight's a new night. You know? <laughs> Amen. And so I'm going to uh, lead us to pray right now. So, Father, I thank you for every person that's here tonight. Lord, I thank you that the willingness that's in the, the people here. I know this flock. I know these people. I know they have a heart after you. I know that they want to seek you. They want to please you. And so, Lord, every person here that has made you their Lord and their master, Father, I thank you 
that they are walking in the things you have for them. And for those who have not really made you Lord, not really made you master, those who may have at one time, but they've become lax and let you become a side issue, not really actually deciding the things in their lives. Father, I thank you that tonight, that they would turn it around. I thank you that tonight they say, Lord, I actually want to make you Lord. And that's not just a cute name, but I actually want to make you master of my life. And so tonight, right now in your heart, you can speak to the Lord and you can repent right in your chair, make things right, and boom, it's gone forever. That's his goodness. That's his faithfulness to you. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that these people here are walking in your plans for them. I thank you they're growing and they're bearing much fruit. I see this church bearing much fruit. Every person that's in here, I see them doing what you're telling them to do. I see them growing up in the things of God and serving here with a good attitude and a good heart and saying, Lord, I love you and whatever you'd have me to do, I'll do it. And so, Father, I thank you. Bless every person that's here. I plead the blood of Jesus, every person that's here, in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.